another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of the Crown against Copeland and the citation for this case, 2020 UKSC 8. And to be honest with you, I think that this is probably one of the most unusual cases that I have covered in terms of the facts of the case. The appellant at the heart of these criminal proceedings is a 22-year-old man who doesn't have any prior convictions and to the extent that it is relevant, has been diagnosed as being on the autism spectrum. Copeland has a strong interest in military matters, and in particular, bomb disposal. This led him to buying chemicals online so that he was able to experiment with them. Unsurprisingly, this attracted the interest of the authorities, who got a warrant to search Copeland's home. During that search, they found hexamethylene triperoxide diamine, which, thankfully for me at least, is commonly abbreviated to HMTD. Even though the search turned up less than 10 milligrams of HMTD, it is a sensitive primary explosive, and was found alongside various manuals and instructions for making explosives and more HMTD. This was enough for the CPS, who charged Copeland under Section 4.1, of the Explosive Substances Act 1883, with knowingly having HMTD in his possession or under his control, in such circumstances as to give reasonable suspicion that he did not possess or control it for a lawful object. For Copeland, his defence was predicated on the argument that he did have a lawful object, namely interest, education and experimentation. Part of his evidence did actually seem a little counterintuitive as he pointed out that he had previously experimented with small explosives and had in fact created small explosions in his garden without causing any harm. When the case went before the Crown Court, the judge held that he was bound by the previous 2009 authority, the Crown Against Riding, from the Court of Appeal, where it was held that experimentation and self-education were not to be deemed a lawful object. The Court of Appeal felt that they were bound in the same way, and so Copeland appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick the case up. For the justices who formed the majority in this case, the most difficult thing was trying to understand the context of a statute that received royal assent back in 1883. To do this, they looked at other criminal legislation from around this time, such as the Explosive Substances Act 1875, and the Offences Against the Person Act 1861. Many law students will be familiar with that 1861 Act, but might not be aware that the subsequent legislation was passed because of fears of Irish nationalism combined with the impression that the Offences Against the Person Act did not go far enough. The 1984 case of the Crown Against Fegan explored these purported deficiencies further, as it was noted that it is more difficult to protect the public if the prosecution is required to prove a specific mental element. Such a mens rea was essentially swapped out by the 1883 Act for a defence of a lawful object. To use that Fegan case as an example, the defendant was successfully prosecuted under that 1883 Act for possessing gun ammunition which counted as an explosive substance. However, his appeal was successful because he had the lawful purpose of defending himself and his family. What this tells us is that we really need to have a clear idea in our minds as to what actually constitutes a lawful object. 
On this subject, English law flips the script a bit by holding that a purpose is lawful unless it is actually made unlawful by statute or common law. There are caveats attached to this, such as a lawful purpose potentially becoming unlawful if tainted by an ulterior motive, but that is often dependent on the context of the particular case. All of this brings us to the 2009 case of riding that we mentioned earlier, as the authority used by the Crown Court and then by the Court of Appeal to find against Copeland. In that case, the defendant was in possession of a homemade pipe bomb, and it was held by the Court of Appeal that curiosity was not a sufficient legal object. That seems to demonstrate why it was used as an authority in the present proceedings, but it is also important that we don't ignore the nuances involved in that case. Riding's curiosity was to see if he could construct a pipe bomb, but that didn't mean he needed to use real explosives, or actually make it explode. That distinguishes Riding from Copeland, who did actually wish to carry out a controlled explosion in his garden. Experimentation is a perfectly legitimate object, and the Court of Appeal was wrong to note in its judgement that Copeland should have provided a more detailed explanation of his motive. Even a general assertion can establish a legitimate motive, and it is then up to the prosecution to demonstrate if and why the object is unlawful. That gives us the verdict of the majority, but two of the justices dissented and would have found against Copeland on the basis that his experimentation was not sufficient to amount to a lawful object. The finding here revolves around the idea of what it means for something to be an object. To use an example, if I go to the supermarket, then my object is to buy groceries. In other words, my object is the reason that I do something, or the result that I hope to achieve. Copeland had not explained his object in sufficient detail, and so it follows that the Court of Appeal came to the correct conclusion. This is especially true when it comes to explosives. It was claimed that there would be a controlled explosion in the defendant's garden, but How is it possible to know this without being aware of the details of his plan? If something had gone wrong, then there would at least be a public nuisance and likely some form of damage or injury caused. From my perspective, the strange thing about analysing this case is that from a legal point of view, the majority have the better argument, but that shouldn't detract from how crazy it is to be allowing members of the public to be messing around with explosives because it just happens to be their hobby. Using a legal construction like a lawful object is fine, but it does place a much greater onus on the prosecution. Instead of trying to establish a specific mens rea, they are instead essentially trying to prove that there was some aim that was specifically unlawful. The Court of Appeal tried to shift some of that burden back to the defendant, but that is not how things work, especially when it comes to criminal justice and the key idea that a person is innocent until proven guilty. In reality, this is just a strange lacuna in the law that should have been tidied up years ago. The government might have hoped that the riding case had already served this purpose, but in truth we did need better and more effective legislation. It might be tempting to make fun of or criticise the Supreme Court for this decision, but their job is to apply the law, and that is what they have done here. The real issue is why in this age of terrorism we are still relying on a statute from 1883.
Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. I know a lot of people at the moment are maybe stuck at home, but a lot of students will still be preparing for courseworks and exams, so this seems like a good point to remind you that you can go to uklawweekly.com and sign up for the free ebook there on answering problem questions. Problem questions is often one of those areas that law students struggle with, they're a little bit difficult to structure and to plan, so do go there and get that free ebook and sign up for the mailing list while you're there as well. Thanks very much for tuning into this podcast episode. I'll be back with another one next week, but for now, bye!